Daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and inspired. This is World Today. Hello and welcome to the panel discussion of World Today. I'm Ding Hen in Beijing. China has hosted European Union leaders for the first in-person summit between the two sides in four years. President Xi Jinping has called for summing up historical experience, demonstrating wisdom, and staying committed to the correct positioning of the China-EU Comprehensive Strategic Partnership. So, is there a way to make sure that cooperation, rather than disagreement or rivalry, will prevail in the China-EU ties? This question and much more in this edition of the program. To listen to this episode again or to catch up on our previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching "World Today." So, joining us now on the line is Professor Tui Hongjian from the Academy of Regional and Global Governance, Beijing Foreign Studies University. Thank you very much for joining us. Hi. And also joining us is Dr. David Martin Jones, visiting professor with the War Studies Department, King's College London. Welcome back. Hi, I'm very good to talk to you. Okay, so Professor Tsai Hongjian, to start with you,、uh, yes. what benefits do you think the 20-year comprehensive strategic partnership has brought to the EU and China, respectively? As we know, this year they、uh, marked、uh, this、um, uh, you know 20 anniversary for comprehensive strategic partnership between China and the EU. Uh, even we can find some uh, uh, proof or evidence that、uh, this kind of a relationship uh, uh, has been,、uh, you know, beneficial for both sides, especially、uh, five or six times for this uh, uh, increase of bilateral trade, and also your、uh, inv- mutual investment, and also another I think important、uh, symbolic achievement for this relationship is、uh, both sides、uh, promote the. Strategic position, especially、uh, for European Union. As we know so far, the leaders' meeting or summit in the European Union、uh, so far is one of the uh, uh, most important uh, evidence for both sides. Comparing with the、uh, relations between European Union and some other uh, uh, political uh, uh, countries or powers, I think China shows its uh, uh, biggest uh, uh, sens- sensitivity to. Support this、uh, communication, but of course, people-to-people contact and the cultural ex-、uh, exchange、uh, give a lot of、uh, benefits for students and、uh, teachers and the scholars both both two sides.、Mm, okay, so Professor David Martin Jones, going to you, do you think、uh, there is a common recognition of these benefits by the two sides?、Um, I think the you know、uh, what. Professor said is, is pretty accurate. I mean, there's been a huge increase in、uh, trade between both countries, and a growing appreciation of、um, uh, how uh, integrated, in some ways,、uh, Europe and China's economies have become.、Um, mm. The so, I mean, if, if we take it back 20 years ago. Uh, this is after China joined the WTO.、Um, this was an era when、um, both Europe and China were trying to expand and grow and develop markets in a, a much more globalized context. I think what we've seen, basically since the、um, eurozone financial crisis, and more particularly since COVID, is、uh, A growing reaction, both in Europe and to some extent in China, to the extent of globalization and trying to、uh, facilitate、uh, mm-hmm. smarter and more interested trading relationships.、Mm, okay, so Professor Tsui, as we can see from somehow from China's official stance, official point of view. Uh, China is viewing the EU as a key partner on trade, on 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 science and technology, and on supply chain cooperation. However, the other way around, EU officials are nowadays describing China as a partner 
a competitor and a systemic rivalry. So, do you think there is a gap between the two sides' perception of the bilateral ties? Certainly, so far, I think there is a gap between the、uh, perception、uh, between China and the European Union. I think mostly for the European Union, this、um, you know、uh, multifaceted devastation、uh, upon China is a kind of a outcome of the、uh, you know overreaction to any kind of、uh, difficult situation or uh, challenges. Uh, for example, how about this、uh, you know very difficult time、uh, between. European Union and the United States during the Trump administration, and of course now the Ukrainian crisis gives a lot a lot of lessons to European Union. But、uh, of course, I think now some progressive evidence is both sides realize the gap on the mutual perceptions, and then they try to, I mean, narrow down the gap. For example,、uh, at this moment we can find out the,、uh, even from the European Union side, they. Uh, it emphasized the importance for both sides to have some more cooperation, and even of course the bottom line should be no any confrontation, no any I mean over competition、uh, between two sides. So I think once we have some more、uh, dialogues and exchanges on all of the levels, certainly I think it will give some more opportunities to help the mutual understanding for both two sides, and then to find the more solutions to narrow down the.、Uh, Gap between the mutual perceptions. Okay, so Professor、uh, David Martin Jones. I mean, one thing President Xi Jinping stressed during his、uh, Thursday meeting was European Council President Charles Michel and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen is that China and the EU should not view each other as rivals just because their systems are different, reduce cooperation because of competition. Or engage in some sort of uh, confrontational uh, matters because of disagreements. What do you make of this principle? And do you think、uh, this particular principle raised by President Xi is where Beijing and Brussels can reach some general consensus? I think, to some extent, that's true. I think the、um, the problem that Europe has got at the moment is.、Um, uh, And, and China, to some extent, is both of dealing with the、uh, the consequences of COVID, and I don't think we、um, pay much as much attention as we should to the tremendous consequences that COVID had upon economic growth and economic、uh, cooperation. So, one of the problems that that Europe faces at the moment is.、Um, You know, there's been a huge breakdown in supply chains. There's a huge worry about the levels of debt that some、um, European countries and Europe as a whole has taken on, and how to、um, develop ways out of this is of crucial concern. So, yes, there should be more cooperation, but I think the the main problem that Europe has. Is it? It really needs、um, uh, sort of、uh, more exports to China, as the feeling. I mean, the, the, the whole purpose of the, the the visit is really to try and、um, increase European exports to China, as opposed to being mainly an importer of Chinese manufacturing goods. Hmm. Okay. And now we have a third panelist joining our discussion. We have Professor Fu Xiaolan, Director of the Technology and Management Center for Development with the University of Oxford. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor. Thank you for having me. Okay, so earlier I were、uh, I was、uh, discussing this particular question with Professor David Martin Jones.、Uh, I asked uh, that uh, one point President Xi Jinping raised during his、uh, Thursday summit with the EU leaders is that、uh, China and the EU should not view each other as rivals because simply because their systems are different or reduce cooperation because of competition.、Um, what is your Thought about this、uh, general principle. What do you think this tells us about, say, China's mindset or mentality about its ties with the EU? My reading from、uh, you know uh, what uh, President Xi has said is 
China is seeking collaboration uh, and seeking mutual understanding. Um, I think, um, first of all, we are now all the, the whole world are in the process of still in the recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the economic challenges um, faces a lot of countries, including both the European countries and the uh, and the China. Uh, so there is a lot of need um, for economic collaboration, um, more trades between both sides and the more investment flows, you know, between both sides. And also the global challenge. Now we are having the COP28 uh, uh, in, in, um, yeah, in UAE. In Dubai, yes. yes. Yeah. So, so the climate change, together with other major challenges like uh, uh, food security, like uh, poverty and the inequality, still kind of uh, exigent uh, global challenges need collaboration to address. So I, I think you know, from both sides' perspective and from the world perspective, collaboration is very much needed. And the Euro uh, European Union and the China are important forces and the markets mm. and um, and the creators of knowledge and technology in the world. They should really, you know, work together. I, I very much welcome this collaborative, uh, uh, you, you know, call from uh, uh, Mr. Xi. And uh, I think different civilizations should be able to coexist. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this should also be some, you know, more mutual understanding, uh, not only in words, but also into the into the hearts, looking at the human history, thousands of years, uh, really different civilization, uh, different culture. Um, mm -hmm. we, we did coexist uh, until today, and uh, we should be positive about this coexistence. Mm. Okay, so since Professor Fu, you you have mentioned about this ongoing COP twenty eight meeting ongoing over there in in the city of Dubai, um, you know, actually, I have um, a another question regarding because uh, as we can see it from the recent uh, U.S. China Sunnyland statements. Uh, cooperation on tackling climate change is still possible despite all those problems between Washington and Beijing. Now, with regard to the China-EU ties, are you confident, realistically speaking, that uh, going forward, coping with uh, working together to cope with uh, climate change could have become a highlight of cooperation between Beijing and Brussels? Definitely. I think this should be the uh, uh, priority area, and it is still uh, uh, it's already a, a common ground uh, for China and the EU and the China, including China and the US. Um, and uh, I I think the EU has strength in um, um, clean tech, uh, and also you know uh, EU is the, the continent in the world that um, I think actively you know. Uh, advocating for more uh, sustainability change um, transformation, and the China in recent years catch up very quickly in in, in clean tech, including uh, solar panel, wind turbine, and also uh, nowadays uh, um, electrical vehicles, etc. Showing China has really made huge investment in this. Um, um, transition and its real investment. Uh, if we look at data from 2013, China has been the, the largest investor uh, in R&D in renewable energy and has been at the top throughout in the past uh, 12 years and is far ahead um, the, uh, of other countries in terms of R&D investments in clean tech. Mm. So uh, I think EU-China has, you know, the, the common vision, aspiration in this, and also now China become technically also uh, very uh, capable um, in some of the areas. They should be uh, collaborate together, become co-leaders, co-leaders. This climate change uh, is not one country, one continent's business, it's the whole global society, and it needs strong leaders in this area I think U.S. has some, you know, like especially during Trump period, they draw back. Uh, so China and the EU work together can really make big changes mm. and become co-leaders. We need it. 
Okay, so Professor Cui Hongjian,、uh, turning to you. I mean, when we talk about say、uh, joint efforts to tackle the negative impact of the climate crisis, say when we talk about the realm of green development, of course, I mean on one hand there there seem to be many successful examples of China European Union cooperation, especially cooperation on the corporate front.、Uh, for example, Chinese electric vehicle battery maker CATL's factory in Europe. Is helping lower the cost of EV batteries over there. There is one existing plant in central Germany, and in another country, I guess in Hungary, CATL is building another new mega factory.、Uh, these are the facts. On the other hand, though, there also seem to be some signs that China's、uh, success in terms of green-related industries. Is viewed by the EU as a potential danger or a potential threat. So, going forward, Professor Tsui, how do you think China and the EU、uh, should manage their their mindset or mentality about、uh, cooperation and 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 rivalry or competition in 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 terms of the green development? Certainly, we can find out some even uh, uh, you know confl-、uh, conflict between these.、Uh, Policies、uh, from European Union towards China.、Uh, on one side, the、uh, European Union raised the issue of the、uh, China is becoming competitor and also rivalry. But at the same time, still, I think China, European Union、uh, enjoy this the its、uh, you know cooperation with China. Also, you know, just like you mentioned that now, still, the European Union、uh, is trying to recovering、uh, the largest uh, uh, market access from China. And also、uh, try to get some more benefits from a, a Chinese uh, uh, policy towards the、uh, European companies in China. But of course, as we understand that、uh, so far、uh, there are some also political interference from、uh, some member states and also European Union institutions on its relations with China. So the so-called de-risking or、uh, you know promote the security issue. On its relations with China, I think to some degree it's in the demand for some politicians and also for some、uh, institutions. So I think、uh, yes, we do have a kind of a complex and also、uh, maybe to some degree uh, even uh, uh, you know complete、uh, competitor.、Uh, uh, I, I mean, I mean relations. So I think now it's time for both sides to、uh, reach a real consensus. Especially to learn something more from the、uh, experience in the past, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, cooperation. But of course, now I think he,、uh, finally, for European side, to、uh, find some more opportunities in Chinese market, and to try to go back a normal track in its relations with China to help with each other and to、uh, get some more economic growth. I think that would be. Uh, you know, the uh, maximum uh, uh, interest for both sides.、Mm, okay. So,、uh, can I? Yeah, sure, Professor Fu, go ahead. Yeah, can I? Yeah, I have a few comments. I think a very good question. First is I don't think we should see <clears throat> competition as a purely negative thing. Competition is very important for innovation. So Chinese competition, in a way, can you know also uh, uh, stimulate European companies to be more innovative and more efficient. Um, so um, uh, there is a concept called competition. So、yeah. competition is you collaborate first and then the maintain some healthy uh, competition. Uh, in the green area, I think competition、uh, is very relevant. Europe and the China, China should work together, and the whole world should work together to to push forward the green transformation,、uh, and at the same time make the you know this is make the cake bigger,、uh, mm. because this could be an engine for economic growth,、mm. and create more jobs and income, and then maintain some healthy competition between the players. To make them more in, in innovative, so it's it's a healthy process rather than just close door、uh, and prevent、uh, competition.、Hmm. So a green transformation could be a kind of green windows of opportunity, but at the same time, this um an、um, industry uh, policy uh, wise, uh, I think 
we need more policy dialogue and policy coordination between two sides. On the one hand, industry policy is reviving. Uh, from Europe to US, of course, you, previously people were, 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 were criticizing industrial policy. Now, at least in the green area, people were talking about needing industrial policy. Yeah. So, uh, in a way, we recognize the role of industrial policy. At the same time, I think China should also make some reflection about how to make efficient kind of investment uh, resource allocation and uh, make sure industrial policy is used uh, efficiently and properly, uh, rather than sometimes could be, you know, uh, overused it and uh, lead to waste of resources and the uh, distortion of the market. So I think this policy dialogue between two sides uh, uh, is also very much needed. Mm. Yeah, your point's well taken. So, uh, Professor David Martin Jones, going back to you. If the the European Union and China are to somehow leverage their, uh, say, complementarity to pursue mutual benefits or common growth, what do you think are their respective strengths uh, nowadays? Well, I, I think the um, you know there are strengths in Europe, but coming back to the earlier point, I mean, one of the problems Europe's got is is um, it's got no real leading uh, tech um, companies, unlike in Asia or in America. So um, one of the areas that, that's deeply concerning, I think, to Europeans at the moment is, A, resilience of supply chains, but B, uh, when we're talking about green energy, this is... Um, in many areas of Europe, an elite progressive concern. And a lot of people in Europe in a cold winter are very concerned about energy prices. And there needs to be really a, a far more attention, perhaps, to the mix of energy before we move to uh, a clean, green future. And the abandonment of some of the fossil fuels, particularly gas, um, over the last few years has severely damaged um, European economies, particularly Germany, which faces high energy costs and um, an economic slowdown at the same time. So um, it, 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 there are huge areas for complementarity between China and the EU, but the EU's approach to energy and to its own economic um, growth um, is very ill thought out at the moment. And different countries within Europe are actually operating differently. Um, I'm in Budapest at the moment, and Budapest sees much more opportunity in uh, connectivity with China than, say, a lot of other European countries do. So... I think when we're talking about Europe, you've got to understand that there's the European Union position, but within Europe, different countries are taking uh, distinctively different positions. Mm, yeah, that's a very good point. But let's take a short break here for the moment. We have been speaking with Professor Fu Xiaolan, Director of the Technology and Management Center for Development, University of Oxford. Uh, Professor David Martin Jones with the War Studies Department, King's College, London. And Professor Cui Hongjian joining us from Beijing Foreign Studies University. Let's take a short break here. Coming back, our discussion will continue. Stay tuned. You're listening to World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. Today we are talking about China-EU relations in the wake of the two sides' first in-person summit in some four years. Joining our panel, Professor Fu Xiaolan, Director of the Technology and Management Center for Development, University of Oxford. Professor Cui Hongjian from the Academy of Regional and Global Governance, Beijing Foreign Studies University. 
Dr. David Martin Jones, visiting professor with the War Studies Department, King's College London. So, Professor Tsui, going back to you, I mean,、yes. an elephant in the room for discussions during this、uh, China-EU summit on Thursday was, of course, trade. Was Ursula von der Leyen saying that there were、uh, "quote unquote" clear imbalances and differences that the two sides must address in terms of trade? So,、uh, when we talk about the status quo in this regard, do you think China has deliberately pursued a trade surplus with the European Union? I don't think so. Even as I know that to,、uh, now, it's a hot issue between China and the European side to discuss the.、Uh, So-called imbalance of trade.、Uh, as we know, yes, I think the、uh, reason for European side is,、uh, you know,、uh, more and more、uh, trade deficit from China and uh, in the、uh, uh, past years. So,、uh, I think it's a、uh, very important、uh, issues for some、uh, European countries and the politicians, or especially the member of parliament, to convince that to. Uh, especially to convince to the ordinary people that、uh, they are trying to get some benefits back from China to Europe. But of course, as we understand,、uh, regarding to the trade,、uh, I think mostly it is de- decided by the market itself.、Uh, so far, I could not find any, you know, policies from Chinese government to provide、uh, even some,、uh, you know, unfair. Uh, environment for Chinese products、uh, to Europe,、uh, but of course, I think now the、uh, bigger issue for European side is try to criticize China on some issues like、uh, subsidies, because from the uh, uh, recognition of the European Union on China is China is a very specific economy, because China、uh, is taking use of all of its、uh, efforts from the government from.、Uh, A state-owned bank from a state-owned companies, so it's different from Europe. So now I think at this moment, especially Mr. Xi, gave a very clear message to uh, European uh, leaders, saying that、uh, yes, they are、uh, different. I mean, China and Europe, but、uh, the difference could not be the reason to have some more competition. But of course, regarding to some、uh, very concrete issues like、uh, imbalance of、uh, trade. Uh, China also have some arguments that,、uh, for example, once there are some more、uh, favorable uh, uh, trade environment, especially once the European side open the、uh, high uh, technological,、uh, you know, exports to China, certainly they will be very helpful for this、uh, situation of、uh, imbalance of trade. But of course, as we know, now it's difficult for European side to go forward on this direction because there are more and more. Uh, so-called economic security concerns from the European side, especially on China. So I think now, uh, uh, at least at this moment, it becomes a very difficult issue. But I think now, perhaps both sides need to change the focus from this so-called imbalance of trade, and to find some more areas for cooperation. For example,、uh, in industries,、uh, in the field of、uh, green economy and also digital economy, because both two.、Uh, Uh, Fields has been regarded as a, you know, the future direction for uh, industry uh, upgrading or some other. So I think、uh, change the focus and try to, especially from the European side, to promote its、uh, competition of、uh, products in China. I think that would be the re- reasonable solutions for this issue. Hmm. Okay. So, Professor Fu, let me get your take on this. I mean, when we talk about this、uh, so-called trade imbalance between the two sides, of course, one solution is to make European Union、uh, countries selling more goods to the Chinese market. I guess that's exactly the EU's.、Um, Request or demand? Let's put it in this way: they're asking for more Chinese market access for European products. So, with that in mind, do you think、um, there is any conflict or contradiction between this particular demand on the EU part and this、uh, so-called de-risk strategy through which the European Union is seeking to somehow reduce economic dependence on China?、Mm, I I think. For 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 Europe,、mm-hmm. uh, when we look at trade, 
you know, uh, we can not only looking at bilateral trade situation because every, every country has their own comparative advantage. And then they, you know, they may import a lot from one country, but they, they, they export a lot to other country, depending the whole uh, um, compa- competitive advantage of all the trading countries. Hmm. Uh, and all the, through trade, all the countries will benefit uh, from efficiency gains, from specialization and from welfare gains, because you import a lower cost uh, consumer goods or, or products. Uh, and also within European countries, uh, uh, Germany is a big, ac- actually is a, a surplus country uh, instead of a, a deficit country. Yeah. Uh, so in my, I have a few points. First, number one is a trade deficit should not be a reason to um, stop collaboration. I think the main priority is both sides to think about how to promote trade um, you know between the countries so like um, European countries think about how to uh, uh, opening up and also uh, enhance its competitiveness and make you know uh, um, um, their products more competitive in the Chinese market so they are competing with you know actually not because of China closed the door because there are all more competitive goods from Korea Japan or US. So that's one thing. And of course, China also, uh, China has committed to opening up and China has import expo. Uh, um, of course, in terms of sector and areas, um, you know, of course, more deeper uh, institutional opening on the China side is also very important. At the same time, because there are structural change uh, differences. So some services sector also, you know, could be very much needed uh, by the Chinese economy. The European countries should also think about promote more uh, services exports to the Chinese market, which China has a strength in manufacture. So looking at the complementarity between the countries, that's the second area. The third area is for deeper, greater openness uh, um, on both sides, I talk about China more opening up, and also Europe should opening up not only to um, uh, goods from China. I think investment that investment can help European companies to get more funding, and also being able to invest more in R and D and be more competitive and employ more people, create more jobs and income. So Europe. I think that the opening openness to Chinese investment, direct investment, has been shrinking in recent years. Instead, I, I would encourage um, uh, Europe to be more uh, opening up to Chinese direct investment and mm-hmm. also encourage them to more area, not only to some you know high tech area, but also to, to wider area in Europe. Sometimes, you know, in the past, the security concern overtake the economic benefits. So I think it's too much politicized about investment. So a greater opening up um, uh, on both sides. We should focus on how to create more trade rather than because of the, uh, the deficit and the closed door and the, and the stop collaboration. Instead, we really need more task forces on both sides. Um, also, even between like individual countries and China, should set up task forces, uh, create concrete proposals and policy uh, and recommendations about how to enhance trade uh, and the investment between the two sides. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a uh, should be a trend in the in the foreseeable future, ideally speaking. So, Professor David Martin Jones, let me go back to you. I mean, when we talk about uh, trade deficit, trade surplus, trade imbalance between any two major economies, if you think about, say, the scenario five or six years ago when former U.S. President Donald Trump launched his trade war against uh, China. One of his um, um, reasons, so-called reasons, was exactly the trade imbalance between America and China. Now, when we talk about trade or, or economic ties between China and the European Union, why do you think um, certain people 
in Europe are once again, um, you know, following into the same mindset uh, owned by Donald Trump. Say, I mean, back then, five years ago, back in twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Donald Trump's policy against China—I mean, his trade policy against China—was criticized and teased by many、uh, authentically trained economists as knowing nothing about real trade or economics. Yeah, well,、uh, I think the、um, the impact of Trump on、um, you know global integration of trade was huge.、Um, I think also we we can't ignore how COVID and supply chains have been affected since COVID in a way that hugely disrupted、um, global trade flows. So, in a sense, we are now coming out of a period of、um, uh, lockdown that's en- seen us enter. A kind of a new world, which、um, means that global integration, from an, both the European and American perspective, seems to be not a win-win game but a lose-lose game. So there's much greater concern in both some European capitals and in America about. How security and trade go together. So that concern wasn't there so much, obviously before Trump, but obviously you know in Europe before COVID. So at the moment, I don't think you can, you know, go for a pure, you know, win-win market cooperation model in an atmosphere where Europe is feeling. Incredibly threatened,、um, not just in terms of trading relationships, but by the very existential nature of war on its doorstep. So、uh, the mood in Europe is is not in any way, I think, anti-China,、mm. but it is very concerned about how the balance of the relationship is is perceived. And it's perceived differently in different capitals. Germany is becoming much more, even though, as the professor said, you know, it's got a, a trade surplus with the world. It's increasingly concerned about its own economic model at the moment. So I think we cannot、um, underestimate the、um, importance of the, you know, global security environment. And the sense in which the West generally、mm. and Europe in particular feels under threat at the moment,、mm. and this inhibits a more open trading relationship with China. I think. Okay, so Professor Cui Hongjian,、uh, I mean President Xi Jinping has pledged during this、um, uh, dialogue or summit on Thursday.、Uh, he pledged that. China will continue to promote high-quality Belt and Road cooperation, including by、uh, creating synergy between the BRI and the EU's Global Gateway to help developing countries grow faster. So, what do you think is the realistic prospect regarding this creating of creation of synergy between the BRI and the Global Gateway? Also, you know, as early as the、uh, you know, once the、uh, global gateway project raised by European Union side, China showed a very,、uh, I mean, positive uh, uh, posture to this uh, uh, initiative from a European side. China、uh, has been calling for this、uh, synergies between the BRI and the, the global gateway uh, uh, plan, but so far, I think that、uh, the big problem maybe from European Union side、uh, is showed some more hesitance. Maybe because of some、uh, political、uh, reasons, but indeed, as we know from uh, uh, mutual demand, especially、uh, the so large market for the infrastructure at the global level, so I think it, it has、uh, so big potential for this、uh, cooperation、uh, in future. But of course, once both sides try to reach a cooperation or synergies between the BRI and the global gateway, I think both sides need to realize the importance to. Have some more synergies on、uh, regulations, or maybe 
a kind of uh, uh, laws or some other, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, standards, some other. But of course, at the same time, I think some more industry cooperation will be important. Uh, as you know, uh, for a long time, China uh, always proposed that you see, uh, called the uh, three parties cooperation, which means uh, the China European cooperation in and away the third party. Yeah. Uh, for example, in Africa, North America, or even in Asia Pacific. So I think uh, there is a potential, there is a um, uh, prospect, but now perhaps we need to overcome all of the barriers for this uh, cooperation in the future, especially some uh, overreactions from the European side, uh, so-called the so-called the systemic rival or even the economic uh, competition. Mm. So, Professor Fu Xiaolan, uh, going back to you, I mean, over the years we have um, we have been hearing from Chinese diplomats or economic officials suggesting that uh, BRI is an open platform. It welcomes all parties, all different players, including those from West. And actually, uh, I think uh, if you do some facts check. Um, some European corporations, companies have been indeed involved in those BRI-related projects, such as Germany's Siemens and Deutsche Bank. Uh, so the other way around, if we talk about the global gateway on the part of the EU, do you think Chinese corporations stand any chance to to be to be able to get involved in and benefit from the European Union initiative? Theoretically, I think I very much uh, agree what, uh, what Mr. Uh, Professor Trey has said, all, all the points he has made about collaboration and looking for synergies and uh, uh, also between the two programs and also policy uh, regulatory uh, coordinations. So um, mm-hmm. Chinese companies and, uh, and also China's BRI uh, have have their strengths in in some areas and also for for the european global gateway um you know they have their strengths but also actually they are complementary i have done some comparative study of chinese multinationals and european multinationals in europe they have different culture different characteristics but actually you know different strengths um, and bring them together could make you know the host country better and deliver greater impact, sustainability, mm. and the inclusive impact. Uh, so, I think the involvement of the Chinese companies into a global gateway would be beneficial to the host developing country to make the global gateway more impactful. However, there are some, I think, ideological kind of barriers for Chinese companies to be involved. And now even European Horizon uh, uh, 2030, whether you know, uh, um, yeah. used to be able to include uh, Chinese uh, applicants and now uh, not. So I think that's the barrier we need to overcome. Um, need to focus our you know uh, bring more dialogues and uh, and uh, bring more conversations, including some. Um, um, treaties or agreements mm. to facilitate more collaboration and synergy between the two. Yeah, that's exactly why, like you mentioned earlier, policy dialogue between the two parties is uh, extremely important nowadays. So shifting gears a little bit, uh, Professor David Martin-Jones, if we talk about the crisis in Ukraine, um, I mean, EU leaders this time around have urged China to uh, to try to persuade Russia into uh, putting an end to this ongoing conflict between Russia and Ukraine. On the other hand, some Chinese diplomats have said that this is um, overrating the importance of China on this particular issue. What is your take on this? Well, I think that to some extent true. I mean, uh, China has, has not, um, you know, necessarily wholeheartedly supported what Putin's doing in Ukraine. So, I mean, it could be, I mean, China could have some influence on Putin. At the moment, um, the the war is in a very difficult position from a NATO-Western perspective, as the hopeful breakthrough of the, you know, uh, late summer offensive has stalled. And we heard yesterday that 
uh, further American aid is is not being um, it's being stalled in Congress. Yes. So the Ukrainian advance is um, is failing. Uh, Russia, you know, is is waging uh, an attritional war, which um, without um, further backing from Europe or America, Ukraine is looking, you know, more likely to lose than it did in the summer. So where China, I think, could be a useful uh, player is trying to sort of say, well, now is the time where we need diplomacy to come in and to try and say, well, okay, Ukraine, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the line that we have to draw is that those uh, provinces that always had a majority Russian population like Luhansk and Donetsk and Crimea are now the basis for... Um, you know, uh, a, a negotiation for Russia to take some territory, but not as much as it initially claimed, and for the Ukraine to get membership of the EU, that that could be the basis for a negotiated settlement. Otherwise, we're locked into a continuing attritional struggle that is no good for Europe, it's mm. no good for the global economy. And in the long run, it's not very good for China either. Mm. Okay. So, Professor Fu, um, I mean, this is the uh, hope and wish uh, of the Chinese side, at least. But realistically speaking, do you see any room for the EU and China to somehow work together to promote political settlements uh, to, to those uh, international hotspots issues, including the Ukraine crisis, as well as, say, the war in the Gaza Strip? Um, I think both sides should really work together. As David said just now, uh, this is very important for Europe and for the whole world, and in the long run, very important for China. And the, like people's, you know, in Europe, people's deep worries about uh, the resilience of the, the, the supply chains. One also caused by the, you know, supply chain being cut or disrupted by the wars, etc. So promoting a more peaceful world um, is very important for the people um, in those conflict areas, but in the long run interest is very important for Europe and for China. So in, in, in Chinese, there is a, a, a old saying is, mm-hmm. uh, is yes. you know the, the things really depend on whether you make efforts. You make efforts, you you will make a a, a difference. Yeah. So I, I think EU and China are major players, uh, and the EU also you know have also uh, um, an important influence uh, um, in those two regions too. Um, so China and the EU work together and do their best. Uh, I think um, all yes. the worlds work together will make a difference. I'm not an IR expert so i can't say how you, you know uh, um, how big to what extent uh, um, whether this collaboration will will cease the fire there but we we have seen like um, iran and uh, saudi arabia shake hands um yeah you, you know recently, you know, this year so things can happen um, and uh, i do very much kind of support that you and China to work together. I think like nuclear uh, 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 weapon, etc. In these areas, even during the trade war, during the pandemic, uh, China, U.S., Russia also work together on, on that issue. So there are common grounds, uh, you know, uh, despite the big differences between the countries. Yeah. Uh, look at work on the common grounds, and uh, I think that will be the starting point. Or you, you, you know, to to build more trust and understanding. Mm. Seeking common ground while shelving uh, differences—that's for sure. So, in a bigger picture sense, uh, Professor da- uh, David Martin Jones, uh, judging from this uh, very recent meeting between President Xi Jinping and U.S. President Joe Biden. 
uh, we can see that uh, somehow stabilizing ties with China is arguably a foreign policy priority for the Biden administration at the moment. Do you think that trend on the U.S. part have any impact on how the EU views its ties with China? Why or why not? Oh well, well, that's an interesting question. I mean, it's very difficult to get a grip on what Biden's foreign policy actually is.、Um, uh, so, I think, as we know, America's coming into an election year. America, you know, the Democrats, if they're going to、um, get another term, want、uh, peace and growth. So, in some ways,、um, the decision to、uh, Be uh, less uh, aggressive towards China is part of the need to get、um, well American growth, the American economy, which is not doing too badly at the moment,、um, stable and、uh, relatively successful. So, I mean, I think、um, you know the Biden move towards China is an interesting one. Whether it will continue after the next election is interesting. Will also be an interesting one.、Um, Europe, I think, is you know views America suspiciously,、uh, as well as you know it's got、mm. problems with China. So、um, it, it, it doesn't necessarily. It certainly doesn't want to follow、um, uh, you know America as a, a, a as a dependent sort of servile arrangement. It wants to try and carve out its own、uh, position,、mm. um, and it sees China as, you know, as、uh, Professor Fu said, you know, that, that、um, there are big areas for cooperation, and there are、mm. also big areas for、yes. misunderstanding. Thank、so、you very much. Long- Yeah, a long way to go, but hopefully the picture will be very、uh, rosy. But thank you very much. That's all the time for this edition of World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. Bye for now. The world is about to change. Warriors, assassins, fair maidens, court officials, and even emperors and heavenly immortals are nothing but pawns on a giant chessboard. Xu Fengnian, a playboy of national notoriety and heir to the empire's second most powerful man, finds himself embroiled in the depths of an unbeatable game. CGTN Radio invites you to immerse in a world brimming with heroism and follow a young man's odyssey in the audio drama series *The Sword Strider Saga*. Now available on radio.cgtn.com and all the major podcast platforms. When courage meets wisdom, the sword scribes an immortal legend.